Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 87. Before we get into today's questions, big thanks to our sponsors. First we have Precision Hydration and today I want to take a moment to mention some content that they have been producing on their YouTube channel which are so-called on Nomi conversations, interviews that founder Andy has done with with various athletes and coaches and people in the endurance sports industry in general. And I personally recently did one with a conversation with Andy where we talked about things like training through the pandemic, we talked about working from home, we talked about building run volume and running load gradually, and we talked about favorite books and audiobooks and things related to and not related to training. So it's a 20 to 30 minute long chat that you can have a look at on Precision Hydration's YouTube channel. And of course, uh, if you are in need of electrolyte products, Precision Hydration make electrolyte products that match how you sweat. And you can get 15% off your order with the promo code DATTRAFLONSHOW15 on precisionhydration.com. And big thanks to Roka. And we have some really, really big news from Roka today, which is that they have launched their new and updated flagship wetsuit model. The Maverick X2 is here. So this wetsuit has been uh, redesigned. It has a redesigned core that basically makes it stiffer if we compare it to uh, to a bike, for example. You know how a bike which has good stiffness allows you to really produce uh, a lot of uh, power from the pedals into the ground and less waste of energy simply. And that is what uh, Roka has uh, done with the Maverick X2 while still retaining full mobility. But that transfer of power produced to speed in the water has improved they have also added even more buoyancy to the maverick x2 one of the things that i was amazed at when i got into the maverick x the first time was how amazing the buoyancy was but uh, apparently now it is even better and they have an entirely new taping technique that uh, connects the shoulders to the hips uh, with uh, propulsion of from hips of power from hips to shoulders being much much improved and giving you even more propulsion to the water translating into better speed so that and a lot lots of other new innovations in design based on materials and engineering really amazing stuff go and read about it on roca.com and you can get 20% off your order with the promo code roca.com forward slash tts now to today's questions which are from Luve in sweden who writes Hi, Michael. What are your thoughts on training zones when it comes to pool swimming, swimming or even outdoor swimming? I try to keep track of zone distribution, time in zone distribution uh, of all my training, but I find swimming to be the hardest. In the pool, I prefer not to swim with a chest strap, which probably won't help much anyway, as swimming won't raise heart rate much and it probably won't have time to stabilize, stabilize my heart rate. Uh, speed zones is one way but speed changes dramatically when i'm using a pull boy uh, or paddles or fins and this for me is the biggest problem do you have any input input on how you handle this for yourself and your athletes it would be much appreciated thank you for the great podcast all right thank you Luve, for your question my simple one sentence summary is that i do not consider it worthwhile trying to track 
time in zone in swimming. Uh, I do that neither for indoor nor outdoor swimming for myself nor my athletes. And uh, if we go into some more details as for why, uh, there are several several reasons. And the primary reason is, uh, you're alluding to it already, but just good data collection is difficult or impossible. First, a lot of athletes don't actually like swimming with a GPS watch, which for me is perfectly fine uh, as a coach, uh, because if the pool has a pace clock, which most pools do, then you don't really need to have a, a wristwatch. Especially if you are swimming in a group as well, it's unlikely that you will want to lose an extra fraction of a second that could be used to get right up somebody's feet. And you don't want to lose that to start your watch and fiddle with it. or And you don't want to be in the way with somebody, even though I know that uh, you can make it uh, really smooth when it comes to turning your watch on and off. But anyway, I think that group swimming generally lends itself perfectly to not swimming with a watch. Uh, this is not to poo-poo using watches at all. Uh, as a coach, I do like to see the data from watches from those of my athletes that are using watches. But I am also absolutely fine with uh, athletes that don't want to do that and they just comment on how the main set went. So they simply remember roughly the time ranges that they did the main set at and, and they comment on that. And that is absolutely fine. So... If I, as a coach, uh, were to rely heavily on tracking something like the training intensity distribution or time in zone, then I would be really putting myself in a disadvantageous position because I don't have that data from uh, some of my athletes. And the same really goes for any self-coached athlete uh, in terms of if you rely on some data that you cannot accurately track, then you're actually doing yourself a disservice. So you should only track something if you can be sure that it's not garbage in, because garbage in, garbage out applies as always. Uh, so um, yes, that is something that if you are going to track it, you need to make absolutely sure that you have good data collection. And that's not easy. And sometimes the best solution is simply not to track something because you can't uh, guarantee the integrity of the data. Second, the second reason that I'm not uh, really interested in tracking time in zone for swimming is that even for those that do use wristwatches and get their pace data, the time in zone data that we get from those watches is generally not accurate enough. So I don't trust the training intensity distributions that we get from those wristwatches. You mentioned that one reason for this is the use of tools like fins, pull boys, paddles, and so on. And that, I agree, is the biggest factor. It will totally mess up your data. But even in a hypothetical scenario where we never use any tools, I would still not trust the accuracy of today's standard wristwatches, the Garmin's and Polar's and like when it comes to tracking training intensity distribution and uh, time in zone. And I'm not saying that to, uh, to be critical of those watches. I think they are doing a great job. They do, of course, measure time correctly for each interval. And I find that uh, for any athlete that can do a decent flip turn, they also measure distance correctly almost 100% of the time, which means that average pace for an interval will be absolutely correct. Where problems arise is when you are swimming at a variable pace. So let's say you do a 500 meter interval where you are alternating between 50 meters fast and 50 meters easy. That is the kind of interval where 
even though you will be getting the average pace for the 500 spot on from your watch because it knows the distance, it knows the time from start to finish, I would expect the pace distribution chart to be hit and miss, to be honest, uh, based on everything I've seen. And I think this is just my uh, my guess for why this might be the reason. But I think it's just difficult for the watch to get the timing right of when uh, one lap starts and the other one uh, ends, so to say. So when is the exact point that you're doing your flip turn? And the thing is that if you're swimming in a 25-meter pool, it's uh, this becomes even more difficult because that means that if it gets a timing off by one second, which it might easily do because a flip turn takes you, I guess, one second or more, then that means that the pace of that particular lap might be four seconds per 100 meters slower or faster than what it actually was, which if you're swimming uh, up to one minute, 20 seconds per 100 meter pace or slower at one, at one minute, 20 seconds per 100 meters, there would be a 5% uh, discrepancy if you are four seconds per 100 meters off, which is a lot. Like that's that's not nothing to be snuffed at. That's swimming, that, that's measuring threshold pace instead of VO2 max pace or the other way around, essentially. And of course, if you are swimming slower, the percentage error will be slightly different. But I still think that even if it's 4% or 3%, it's it's quite a lot. And, and I wouldn't really want to rely on that, that data. And... And even worse, to make matters worse, if it mistimed that one lap, then that error might propagate into the next lap because it not only did get the end of the first lap incorrect, but that means that it also gets the start of the second lap incorrect and so on and so forth. So that error propagation might lead to just basically random <laughs> random data or at least very much hit and miss data. And I do believe, I should say, that this will probably change within the coming couple of years with new technology being developed that potentially can measure instantaneous pace with accelerometers in a way that most wristwatches currently aren't really doing. But uh, I don't know if we're there yet, as I haven't tried any of these devices that are working on this. So, I mean, there are devices out there already that uh, are doing this. There is this. There is a Canadian company... Uh, that uh, I'm blanking on the name of, but I'm sure you can Google it. And there's also the form goggles that I believe are measuring accurate instantaneous data in the pool. Uh, so uh, again, not very familiar with, too much too familiar with any of these devices as I haven't tried them. But if you are really interested and want something that might increase your data accuracy, then uh, you might be interested in having a look at, at one of these products, for example. Now, Regarding heart rate, which, uh, as you say, could be an option for measuring time in zone, I actually think that uh, this is, at this point, the best way to track your training intensity distribution when it comes to swimming. Yes, it is a bit crude. Things like 25-meter sprints will not necessarily be picked up. Heart rate will, of course, increase, but it might increase to zone 4 rather than zone five or so and so on so you won't see just how intense those efforts are uh, but uh, that is a similar problem that exists in many other sports like cross-country skiing and it's what cycling used to be before power meters it's what running used to be before gps watches so no it's not perfect but definitely could be useful it's not useless either 
And personally, actually, in the last month or so before the pandemic started, uh, I just uh, got myself a Polar OH1 optical heart rate monitor that I can attach to my goggle strap, and it measures heart rate optically from the temple. And then after the workout, I can sync that heart rate data to training peaks. And I assume that most other platforms would work with it as well. And that has been fascinating. And, and I do think that heart rate in swimming is something that uh, will become a bigger and more important part of uh, monitoring training and uh, assessing training in uh, the not too distant future. I'm definitely interested in that and working on improving my understanding of of it even though of course in uh, the current climate <laughs> i'm that is uh, stagnant a project that has uh, stagnated you raise some potential issues with regard to heart rate but i would argue against them so you're saying that uh, that swimming might not raise your heart rate much but actually it definitely will it will raise heart rate more than enough just as much as uh, cycling and running uh, it's just the fact that uh, the baseline level is much lower and the max heart rate is also lower. So you will have different absolute values, but you will definitely, if you are varying your paces, you are swimming easy swimming and you're doing hard swimming, then you will see big variations from your low heart rates to your high heart rates. Uh, so uh, for me personally, to give you an example, uh, I'm looking at a session right now that I did just before the pools closed. And uh, my easy warm-up swimming in this workout well, led to heart rates in the 95 to 105 beats per minute range. Compared to when I do my cycling warm-up of a similar effort level, might be 110 to 115, and running might be 115 to 120. Then as my main set, I did a 1500-meter hard effort at 7.3 race pace, essentially, or 7.3 effort. And heart rate started, so I had a bit of a rest before that. So my heart rate was at 72 when I started that interval. It climbed all the way up to 160. So it was almost a 90 beats per minute increase. And you never see that in running or, or cycling, maybe because you don't have the passive recoveries. But even if, uh, let's say, I would have started it right away from my warm-up without, uh, without a rest, I would have started it from, let's say, 100, there would still have been a 60 beats per minute increase. So definitely of the same range if not higher than my increase in heart rate when it comes to uh, running and cycling and uh, that uh, the average for that interval was 140 compared to 95 to 100 for the easy swimming uh, for a 21 to 22 minute interval so that just goes to goes to show that there definitely is a big increase available for you in heart rate you just start at a lower level compared to running and cycling i could pick examples of shorter intervals as well the rate of increase of heart rate is just as quick as what I see in cycling or running. Uh, but again, the baseline level is much lower. So of course, this means that you need to assess your swim training uh, zones and your thresholds separately. Now, how to actually do that? That's a different question. I don't have any great or well-researched answer to, to that question, but just uh, my quick and dirty summary would be uh, either try to pick a pace that you could hold for at least 30 minutes and swim at that pace for at least 20 minutes. And if your heart rate stabilizes, hopefully it does, then that heart rate where it stabilizes could be used as, as your threshold heart rate. Another option would be to simply pick your maximum heart rate from swimming that you have seen in a hard workout or a test. And I think that doing something like a 1000 meter time trial might be the best way to see your maximum heart rate in a swim. I think that for most athletes, 
uh, doing something like a 200 or 400 meter time trial won't quite elicit maximum heart rate although that's i don't have the data to prove that but that would be my gut feeling and uh, the second objection or uh, concern you raise with heart rate in swimming is that regarding the time it takes to stabilize heart rate well that's not really an issue with heart rate uh, or with uh, with heart rate in swimming it's your heart rate is what it is it doesn't lie it's a response to the training that you're doing based on your physiology and we just have to learn that swimming is a different sport than running and cycling but also the way that we are training in swimming might make our physiology behave differently than it does in running and cycling uh, so yes i do think that a lot of us non-swimmers in particular probably use relatively speaking more anaerobic energy in swimming than we do in cycling and running which means that for intervals of shorter nature your heart rate won't stabilize as quickly as it might do in cycling and running but on the other hand that's not that's not a bad thing that tells you exactly what you did in that set and it gives you information about your physiology so this I think already shows you a bit about what I think about heart rate in swimming. I'm not convinced that using it for time in zone tracking is all that relevant, uh, but I am very interested in the information it can give us in terms of looking at the heart rate response to particular swim sets. And from that, we can get information about what might be things that we need to work on as swimmers. So, so that would be my two cents on heart rate. But again, I do think that if you choose to track time in zones, then heart rate is probably going to be the most accurate, definitely compared to uh, to pace from standard wristwatches. Just be aware that your swimming heart rate training intensity distribution is not and should not be the same as your bike and run training intensity distribution for heart rate. You need to treat it on its own merits. Uh, which uh, basically you have to be a trailblazer a bit because there isn't a lot of information out about that. I have personally barely scratched the surface of it. Uh, I hope that this time next year I might be able to talk much more about my experience with it. But uh, for now, uh, anybody who gets into that needs to needs to experiment. And uh, it's not necessarily going to pay off because uh, that's that sort of stuff really takes some time to figure out. But moving on from heart rate, going back to the third reason why I don't see uh, the value in tracking time in zone, uh, this relates directly to what I said above, that in swimming we don't really have much data or benchmarks for what time in zone sh quote unquote, should be, compared to cycling and running at least, where there is a lot more data and a lot more research. And I think it would be a mistake to assume that the principle principles just carry over directly from those sports to swimming yes there are principles that apply but it's not a 100 percent uh, correlation so it could make sense to start tracking it now and with time you learn more and more and you place a trail for yourself i will start doing that i think but but as a self-coach athlete if if you're spending time on it i think that that's something that you shouldn't be doing to be honest i think that that time might be better spent uh training or doing something else sleeping <laughs> cooking eating healthy food uh those sorts of things rather than uh, looking at uh, those charts that you not you're not necessarily going to get any actionable data from uh, but uh, but if you do have a good understanding of physiology i would use heart rate as i said to assess your training response to different sets because that could be immediately actionable as opposed to 
training test distribution information just because of the lack of benchmarks and uh, and a lot of data on training intensity distribution in swimming that being said if you do want to track, track your time in zone and you don't want to use heart rate there is another simple way that you could do that and you could do it accurately i think much more accurately than the speed and i have done that uh, at periods through my coaching but then i found that it wasn't very actionable uh, it does require a bit of spreadsheet work spreadsheet work but not much so let me tell you how this works let's say you do a workout that consists of a 1000 meter easy warm-up then you do five fast hard efforts of 100 meters each then you do five times 300 meters at 70.3 race pace and then you finish off with 500 meters easy. You could simply measure your distance in zone rather than your time in zone. And this session, you don't even need to do the session. You can just, when you have it written out on paper on your training plan, even before you have done the session. So in the planning stage, you can already calculate your distance in zone. And assuming that you are going to be following your sessions, then this is going to be very, very accurate. So this particular session would give you 1500 meters of low intensity training which would be the 1000 meter at the start and the 500 at the end it would give you 1500 meters of moderate intensity training which is the 5 times 300 at 7.3 race effort and it would give you 500 meters of high intensity which would be the 5 times 100 fast efforts before that 5 times 300 meters set so really you don't have to get overly complicated with this sort of system keep it simple keep it consistent for you uh, there is no absolute right or wrong there but you need to to follow a consistent system for you and then you can simply see over time track over time how much of each of low intensity moderate intensity and high intensity training you accumulate personally i might classify your critical swim speed as the lowest intensity that falls in the high intensity bucket actually because i think that css tends to feel quite a bit more intense and less sustainable than anaerobic threshold at least the way that uh, i tend to test it and assess it on the bike and the run but that's just my preference and again you don't have to go with that preference you can go with your own preference as long as you're consistent for yourself and for what it's worth, quite a lot of the training intensity distribution research that uh, has been done had, has used similar methodologies to this. It's just basically uh, pouring through training diaries and classifying training according to those diaries in, in the way that I exemplified above. And as a final takeaway message, uh, the way that I handle this by actually not measuring and tracking time in zone is I mostly look at what athletes have historically been able to handle. And if I am to increase the amount of moderate or hard swimming that the athlete does, I do that gradually from that historical baseline. So for example, if an athlete historically has been swimming uh, on average four times per week, of which two of those swims have had uh, like a hard main set, and they have been able to sustain this for several weeks, I consider that a baseline that I'm happy to add to uh, if I think that uh, we need to do that to apply a sufficient stimulus for them to improve if they are stagnant, for example. On the other hand, if they are still improving with what they're doing, I wouldn't necessarily change anything. There's no point. But uh, again, if they're stagnant, then I might, then I would either look at, and we can, and if we have ruled out that they're actually 
not under recovered or anything like that but we need to up the stimulus somehow the first choice might be to add more volume of course if that's possible uh, but in some cases it's not possible or not even desirable in some cases uh, i would then if it comes to adding intensity to get that uh, additional stimulus i would be okay with trying to increase the amount of moderate or high intensity training by 500 meters per week and for a few weeks for three to four weeks and then hold steady for several weeks and make sure that the athlete can handle that consistently so this really isn't that different from a time in zone or a distance in zone to be honest from a coach's perspective for me because the fact is that uh, there's never going to be a magical uh, training intensity distribution that applies to everybody uh, that's a conversation we've had multiple times when it uh, as it pertains to the 80 20 rule so to say and it's always going to be individual what what an athlete can and cannot do so as a coach i would basically have to keep track of multiple uh, athletes times in zones and for different even for different disciplines and what is sustainable individually for each of my athletes so so it is it is very similar to this approach which is which is more based on uh on a simplistic view of their historical training and uh, just simplifying things enough but not too much and uh, and applying some basic common sense in gradual increase and progressive overload and uh, not excessive overload so that's how i view this and why i do not think it necessary to use time in zone for swimming especially since it is uh, again so prone to erroneous data that i wouldn't really trust the data anyway at this point in time unless it's heart rate so that's basically it for this question i hope that uh, this helps and thank you so much for the interesting question for anybody who has a question please keep sending them in to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and it's michael with a k uh, a couple of announcements before we go first uh, the new beginner ironman training plan is still on its 60 percent off launch discount this is uh, just for a little more than a week by the time that this episode is released so uh, this offer lasts until uh, the 31st of may and also another oh and go to scientifictriathlon.com for more information and to buy the plan either as a pdf or on training peaks you can find all the information through our website then the other piece of uh, announcement that i have is i'm helping out friend of the podcast and uh, for pete guest uh, dr stephen chung who is involved in a study uh, in elite and sub-elite athletes so if you are an elite or sub-elite athlete uh, basically how you can help out is just take a, an internet survey an online survey it's a google form and this survey is on how covid19 is affecting training attitudes and belief in elite and sub-elite athletes so in the episode description in your podcast app you will have a link to that and you can go and take that and there would be a massive help they are hoping to get thousands of athletes involved in that study i can't remember exactly how many it might be ten thousand, but every single uh, person helps so definitely uh, go and help science out uh, because that is that is how science can uh, science relies on that science relies on having subjects to study otherwise there is no science finally big thanks to our sponsors precision hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com go and take their free online sweat test 
and uh, get a personalized hydration strategy for your next race. And you can get 15% off your order of electrolytes with the promo code thattriathlonshow15. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Go and check out the Maverick X2, the new flagship wetsuit, uh, even further improved from the amazing Maverick X. And you can get 20% off that or uh, your order of uh, any combination of wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, and high-performance eyewear with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.